Hello and welcome to The Journey, your radio show, hosted by Neville D'Angelo, author of A Soundbite Life and Flight of the Fused Monkeys, a PRG Emerging Technologies Forum keynote speaker and founder of Rio Sports. I am Joseph Ellison. Enjoy! So I was really scared to get on this stage and talk about women because I grew up in the business world, as I think so many of us do, you never talk about being a woman because someone might notice that you're a woman, right? <laughs> they might notice, or worse, if you say woman, people on the other end of the table think you're asking for special treatment or complaining, or worse, about to sue them. And so I went through, <laughs> right? I went through my entire business career and never spoke about being a woman, never spoke about it publicly, but I also had noticed that it wasn't working. I came out of college over 20 years ago, and I thought that, you know, look, all of my peers were men and women, all the people above me were all men, but that would change because your generation had done such an amazing job fighting for equality, equality was now ours for the taking. And it wasn't, because year after year, I was one of fewer and fewer, and now often the only woman in a room. And I talked to a bunch of people about, should I give a speech to TED Women about women? And they said, oh, no, no. It will end your business career. You cannot be a serious business executive and speak about being a woman. You'll never be taken seriously again. But fortunately, there were the few, the proud like you, who told me I should give the speech. And I asked myself the question, Mark Zuckerberg, my, the founder at Facebook and you know, my boss, asked all of us, which is, what would I do if I wasn't afraid? Mm. And the answer to what I would do if I wasn't afraid is I would get on the TED stage and talk about women and leadership. And I did. And survived. <laughs> I would say not only survived. I'm thinking of that moment, Cheryl, when you and I were standing backstage together, and you turned to me and you told me a story. And I said very last minute, you know, you really should share that story. Oh, yeah. What was that story? Well, it's an important part of the journey. So um, I had Ted Women, the original one was in D.C., so I live here. So I had gotten on a plane the day before. And my daughter was three. She was clinging to my leg. Mommy, don't go and Pat's a friend, and so not related to the speech I was planning on giving, which was chock full of facts and figures and nothing personal. Um, I told Pat the story, I said, well, I'm having a hard day. Yesterday my daughter was clinging to my leg and don't go. And you looked at me and said, you have to tell that story. I said, on the TED stage, are you kidding? I'm gonna get on a stage and admit my daughter was clinging to my leg, and you said yes, because if you wanna talk about getting more women into leadership roles, you have to be honest about how hard it is. Yeah. Um, and I did. And I think that's a really important part of the journey. The same thing happened when I wrote my book. I, wrote, I started writing the book. Um, I wrote a first chapter. I thought it was fabulous. It was chock full of data and figures. I had three pages on you know, matrilineal Maasai tribes and what the patterns are of their sociolo sociological patterns. My husband read it, and he was like, this is like eating your Wheaties. <laughs> no one, and I apologize to Wheaties if they're, no one, no one will read this book. And I realized through the process that I had to be more honest and more open, and I had to tell my stories, my stories of still not feeling as self-confident as I should in many situations. Uh, my first and failed marriage, uh, crying at work, feeling like I didn't belong there, feeling guilty to this day. And part of my journey, starting on this stage, going to lean in, going to the foundation, is all about being more open and honest about those challenges so that other women can be more open and honest and all of us can work together towards real equality. 
flying cars. That was Facebook COO Sheryl Sandberg and media pioneer Pat Mitchell leaning in on TED. There is more. My name is Neville. We are tying two things together, solutions and jobs. And we are standing on a platform, technology. Here is a young entrepreneur, cartoonist, designer and activist, a creative teenager, Maya Penn. May I help you, sir? Uh, let's see. We have pan-seared registry errors sprinkled with the finest corrupted data, binary brioche, round sandwiches, configured flares, and a scripting style with or without polymorphic dressing and a grilled coating kebab. I'd like a ram sandwich and a glass of your finest code 39. Would you like any dessert, sir? Our special is tracking cookies. I like a batch of some zombie tracking cookies, thank you. Coming right up, sir. Your food will be served shortly. I've been drawing ever since I could hold a crayon. And I've been making animated flipbooks since I was three years old. At that age, I also learned about what an animator was. There's a program on TV about jobs most kids don't know about. When I understood that an animator makes the cartoons I saw on TV, I immediately said, that's what I want to be. I don't know if I said it mentally or out loud, but that was a greatly defining moment in my life. Animation and art has always been my first love. It was my love for technology that sparked the idea for malicious dishes. There was a virus on my computer, and I was trying to get rid of it. And all of a sudden, I just thought, what if viruses had their own little world inside the computer? Maybe a restaurant where they meet up and do virusy things. And thus, <laughs> Malicious Dishes was born. At four years old, my dad showed me how to take apart a computer and put it back together again. That started my love for technology. I built my first website myself in HTML, and I'm learning JavaScript and Python. I'm also working on an animated series called The Palmators. It's about bees and other pollinators in our environment and why they're so important. If plants aren't pollinated by the pollinators, then all creatures, including ourselves, that depend on these plants would starve. So I decided to take these cool creatures and make a superhero team. <laughs> all of my animations start with ideas, but what are ideas? Ideas can spark a movement. Ideas are opportunities and innovation. Ideas truly are what make the world go round. If it wasn't for ideas, we wouldn't be where we are now with technology, medicine, art, culture, and how we even live our lives. At eight years old, I took my ideas and started my own business called Maya's Ideas and my nonprofit, Maya's Ideas for the Planet and I make eco-friendly clothing and accessories. I'm 13 now, and although I started my business in 2008, my artistic journey started way before then. I was greatly influenced by art, and I once incorporated it in everything I did, even my business. I would find different fabrics around the house and say, this could be a scarf or a hat, and I had all these ideas for designs. I noticed when I wore my creations, people would stop me and say, wow, that's really cute, where can I get one? 
and I thought, I can start my own business. Now, I didn't have any business plans until only eight years old. I only knew I wanted to make pretty creations that were safe for the environment, and I wanted to give back. My mom taught me how to sew, and on my back porch, I would sit and make little headbands out of ribbon. And I'd write down the names and the prices of each item. I started making more items, like hats, scarves, and bags. Soon my items began selling all over the world. My customers in Denmark, Italy, Australia, Canada, and more. Now, I had a lot to learn about my business, like branding and marketing, staying engaged with my customers, and seeing what sold the most and the least. Soon my business really started to take off. Then one day, Forbes magazine contacted me when I was 10 years old. <laughs> they wanted to feature me and my company in their article. Now, a lot of people ask me, why is your business eco-friendly? I've had a passion for protecting the environment and its creatures since I was little. My parents taught me at an early age about giving back and being a good steward to the environment. I heard about how the dyes in some clothing or the process of even making the items was harmful to the people and the planet. So I started doing my own research, and I discovered that even after a dye has been completed, there is a wastage that gives a negative impact on the environment. For example, the grinding of materials or dumping of dried power materials. These actions can pollute the air, making it toxic to anyone or anything that inhales it. So when I started my business, I knew two things. All of my items had to be eco-friendly, and 10 to 20% of the profits I made went to local and global charities and environmental organizations. I feel I'm part of the new wave of entrepreneurs that not only seeks to have a successful business, but also a sustainable future. I feel that I can meet the needs of my customers without compromising the ability of future generations to live in a greener tomorrow. We live in a big, diverse, and beautiful world, and that makes me even more passionate to save it. But it's never enough to steer through your heads about the things that are happening in our world. It takes you to gear through your hearts. Because when you gear through your heart, that is when movements are sparked. That is when opportunities and innovation are created. And that is when ideas come to life. Thank you. And peace. Flying cars, solutions, and jobs. We're tying them together. You are on the journey. Along the journey, we stop at intriguing places and meet fascinating people with novel solutions to some of life's tricky questions. And we play a few games and track the remarkable characters of three classic books, A Soundbite Life, Flight of the Fused Monkeys, and Illicet, A Time to Begin Again, all of which can be found on Amazon and Barnes & Noble. Here are a few humbling, if intimidating, facts. Many of us are probably quite aware of the name of the founders as well as their companies, those that are the driving forces behind much of the seismic changes occurring in societies around the globe, the ones that have huge impacts on how many of us run our lives, conduct our businesses, and socialize with each other. Their impact on our world in this era will be told for time immemorial. But do you know how old they were? when they founded these companies? 
let me tell you. Mark Zuckerberg founded Facebook at the age of 19. Bill Gates founded Microsoft at the age of 20. Steve Jobs, Apple, he was 21. Larry Page and Sergey Brin, Google, 25. Jerry Yang, Yahoo, 25. Pierre Omidyar, eBay, 28. Jeff Bezos, Amazon, 30. How old are you? My parents, my teachers, my mentors and leaders whilst I was growing up, and I'll guess your parents, your teachers, your mentors, your leaders and advisors, all with the greatest regard for your future, even if and when all were well-meaning to put you in a path to career success, toward financial comfort and job security, they had no clue and could have had no clairvoyance into the landscape you and I are now occupying. Well, maybe you might see it differently. I hear it regularly, not from everyone. I hear it being repeated. I did it right. I did what I was told. I got my degree only to find out that the job I planned isn't available anymore. I got my degree only to discover this is not what I wanted. and I can't afford to start over. And, and, and... You can fill in the blank with your particulars. Many had not anticipated the jobs, the careers, the paths they found so ultra-reliable will not avail themselves always to that next group. Even though we are quite aware of the history of jobs and careers, they've been transforming, changing, regrouping, and being reborn in different ways throughout the annals of recorded time. Let me repeat, they have been transforming, changing, regrouping, and being reborn in different ways throughout the annals of recorded time. So, why am I telling you this? Well, here is another clarifying fact. Even as we speak, the landscape is changing at an ever-increasing speed. Now, you and I can take on the job of slowing it down. If you want, I don't. If you think that is the solution, then do. However, I'd like to encourage a separate consideration. And so I'm saying to you, put the two things together. Solutions and jobs. As you look in front of you and up ahead of you and see if that might prompt you into a newer approach. Solutions and jobs. You are on the journey, and it's time for our question of the week. 
Our question of the week is this. What would you do if you weren't afraid? What would you do if you weren't afraid? Flying cars, technology on LSD. Let's see what good or bad news our techie guru for these segments of our technology series has in store for us. Joey Ellison, thanks so much for giving us your take on things out of CES. So what have you got for us? A lot of people are really excited about this new uh, functionality that they're putting in, the new Corvette Stingray. Uh, that they are just bringing back, I guess, like this year or last year, uh, after a long hiatus of not making the Stingray for an extended time. Um, and interestingly enough, uh, it had a strange functionality. I, it's a, some sort of performance uh, device. I can't recall the, the name of it, but honestly, if you look it up, uh, the, Chevrolet, uh, the Chevrolet Stingray um, 20 CES 2014, this will show up because it blew up Mm-hmm. CES. Every single uh, website that I went to trying to see what the best of CES this year was mentioned this device. Mm-hmm. And so it's a functionality that they're plugging into the, to the Stingray that essentially tells you how you're driving. Mm-hmm. And strangely enough, it seems to work a lot like a video game, which I think is entertaining. Mm-hmm. Um, but it tells you uh, how well you're turning. It can Because it has access to your uh, your car's onboard computer, it can tell how hard you hit the brake, how fast you are going on the gas, and things to this effect. So uh, it seems to be built with um, racing functionality in mind. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you can take it to the drag strip and it'll tell you how well that you've made that turn or, or what have you. And again, I wrote uh, this for the, I wrote about this for the news on the on my show that I did the other day, mm-hmm. and I said it can tell you how well you made that hairpin turn, or and and you know it'll uh, help you get the checkered flag or that really awesome parking spot next time. <laughs> uh, but uh, so it's, it's it's an interesting thing, and so far right. the fear is that uh it's only for stingray mm-hmm. and at this point that's all chevrolet is saying is that mm-hmm. we're just putting it in the new stingray uh and so there's no indication as to and it's not uh i don't believe it's standard mm-hmm. i believe it's something that you have to pay for which is fine because again if i were going to buy a stingray i'm not entirely sure that i would need that functionality <laughs> uh but uh the uh i mean want, once you have this thing yeah, yeah, without yeah, the yeah. functionality yeah. you spend darn it yeah. I, I may want that functionality <laughs> later right. but um right. but the, the, it may not it may not at this point show up in other uh in other things but uh it is that is another one of those technologies we were talking about earlier mm-hmm. that shows an interesting precedent for what we may get um, mm-hmm. later on that it can tell this much and what I would like to see is how this plays into our autonomous car mm-hmm. question as we move on mm-hmm. throughout the next few years because um, a lot of the car companies right now are going to tell you we're not going to have a, a self-driving car for a good decade and a half however Tesla Mm-hmm. who is, of course, spearheading this and getting into a little trouble with their electronic car, their electric car right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but respectively so, and I honestly don't think it's that much of a big, a big deal. They bore a little bit of issue for their car exploding 
but in each, I believe it was proven in each of his situations where the Tesla car exploded, a regular gas car would have mm-hmm. also exploded as well. And uh, it's also, I think, in a couple of things I've read, been proven to explode a lot less than a gas-powered car. That said, anyway, uh, Tesla claims they will get you an autonomous car in the next five years. Mm. Uh, now, from what I can tell, the man who runs Tesla, who uh, Elon Musk, I just remembered his name, uh, doesn't uh, has a little bit of a, of a mouth. Uh, he likes to talk uh, of stuff that he's going to do, but. He seems to also be able to getting to be getting things done, especially as far as the electric the electric car things go. So again, I want to see where this computer. It's a really high powered machine, from what I can tell, that they're putting in this in the Stingray. What it can do, what it could uh, possibly control as far as your car goes uh, in a car that would drive itself, which I I honestly think at this point that if the car companies all of them, and of course every one of them would say this would be a terrible business move, got together on a, and, and came together on this, then we would have a self-driving car already. We have the components by now, at least, you know, most car, you know, a lot of cars that are coming out, we have, I think it's a Lexus that can parallel park itself. We have some cars that can, uh, that will stop before they hit another car in front of them. Mm-hmm. So we have the pieces of the technology, and I think it's just the company saying, this part is only my part and no other company can make a part similar to this one or else we're going to talk about lawsuits. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, and I don't want to sell this technology to another company or whatever and then, of course, get the jump on me and get an autonomous car out. Right. So, um, but of course, the same thing can be said for the big oil versus electric cars thing. It's right. like it's the only them that's keeping us from having one. Right. We should have one by now and right. whatever, and that's a political issue as well. But, right. um, so... I don't feel like we're going to have one in the next five years. So you still think we? I, I I thought it would be we would have been having it rolling out about now, not not massively accepted, but I thought we would have been seeing it. Uh, so for me, five years. Obviously, if the experts are saying five years, then it's going to be five years. But sure. I thought that that um, on the far end of it. That we well, should, I I feel like it is simply because what we're dealing, what we're fighting against right now, is only one person really probably just one person is saying that we're going to have it in the next five years. And the issue that that carries is that nearly every person that knows technology and that buys technology knows you never buy the first generation of a new technology. You have to, you know, I was thinking about this analogy earlier. The company drops it and you don't catch it the first time. You let it hit the ground and see what breaks off first. Right. And it's the same, you know, we saw it uh, again with the, I, I make this analogy because I understand it, the uh, the PlayStation 4 and the Xbox One, both systems launched with glitches, with mm-hmm. problems, mm-hmm. and people still bought them. And, just, and people were still mad, Right. but you should know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it, it happened in the last generation too. Anyway, getting back to, you have to, you know, Will this car possibly come out in five years? He might have something, mm. but I don't know if it's going to work, and I don't know if people are going to accept it, not only because it's a new technology, but already we're also fighting fear. Mm-hmm. Well, a lot, of people, a lot yeah. of people are deathly afraid of this concept right. of what happens if I let something else control me when I am in one of the most dangerous situations a human being right, can be right. in. And I mean, I, I'm like that too. I'm only too, when I put on my technology head, I'm excited about seeing it. When I put on my 
my social head of like, please don't drive your yeah. container yeah. next to me and I don't want to be in one yeah. where I'm not controlling it. So, yeah, I, I do understand the fear, but... Uh, uh, it's, 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 it is scary. I wouldn't want to do it either, you know. All of us have been in a car with the with, with somebody else, with somebody driving. else driving. Uh, my girlfriend has a particular issue with me driving, and we'll ju- and in, in some places we'll just close her eyes. <laughs> or I, but I, I keep telling her, look, I got it. I, I have a full control of this vehicle. Thank you. But she's still deathly afraid. So everybody knows that fear right, right, of right. not being in control. Uh, I think especially if you're in a car with someone that's first learning how to drive. Right. Uh, I have been in situations where I've been in the passenger seat and I stomp on the invisible brake that's not there. <laughs> oh, I do that all the but time. But you, you, fe- you feel it and you feel like it's going to help. Even if I'm in the back seat. <laughs> yeah, just laying on that brake that's not there. But um, yeah, so we're still fighting that fear. And until someone like Tesla or until we get enough evidence behind us that says that it's going to be safe Mm -hmm. and it may actually take um, some real wheels on the road. Mm -hmm. And what I think might be an interesting experiment is let's do a small town or something and we'll set it up to where all of the cars in there are autonomous and they drive and they drive and we'll see how they work in that town and moving around in a real place or what have you. That way, less damage is possible, few lives are, are actually at risk. <laughs> only and, the lives in that town. Only the lives in that specific town. We'll say everybody stay off the road for the for these certain hours or what have you. Um, but yeah, I think it's going to take some, some real you know cars on the road for that to actually right. gain some traction because right now people are scared of the idea of it. Mm-hmm. And it seems like the kind of thing where if we had a real one that was tested mm-hmm. and it was safe, you know, within... Mm-hmm. Because cars we drive in now aren't safe. Right. Right. Uh, it's, right. it's because it's reliant on you. And mm-hmm. so um, that, that's another thing that that's kind of that weird concept of... I think it's about the relinquishing of control, and that's the major fear is that you know, like like I said the cars that we drive right now aren't safe but this this way if we're in a wreck it's probably our fault oh, right. or theirs right, right. usually theirs <laughs> <laughs> but um and, and instead of a machines mm-hmm. and so and and you know of course machines fail but just as often humans fail too so i think it's going to take a little bit of a changing of the minds it's going to take um us as human beings being okay with being moved around by a machine that is Again, though fallible because it's made by man or whatever, a lot better off than we are. Right. Once it's been, of course, once it's been tested, and once we're sure that it's safe within its own, uh, within its own, as safe as it can possibly be. Here is news, even as we speak. For those of you following the stock market, Tesla stock is skyrocketing. It has enjoyed a 619%, yes, 619% rally over the past 12 months. And a 68% rally so far this year. Feats unmatched globally by any auto manufacturer. There is more. They've announced plans to build what they're calling a Gigafactory, the world's largest battery factory, investing in the neighborhood of $5 billion, creating at least 
6,500 jobs in order to create cheaper, lower-cost batteries that will bring down the price of electric cars significantly, or that's the plan. Well, you'll find links with these stories and other stories, including articles on those who are bullish and those who are bearish of the company's prospects. I'm just loving it. You'll find videos of COO Cheryl Sandberg's full discourse as well as Maya Penn's presentation, including animations on the links provided on the platform you've joined us, or you can go to thejourney.riosports.com. That's thejourney.riosports.com. Click on Technology. You'll find additional articles, resources, interviews, and videos, all worth your time. Check them out. The Journey is available free on iTunes, Blog Talk Radio, Rio Sports Radio, and several of your favorite internet platforms. Download, embed, and share via any of the social media you love. There are many ways you can join us on the journey. Those of you preferring access via your mobile devices, if you have the Stitcher app or would like to join the millions that have downloaded it free, we are on Stitcher Smart Radio. Grab the free app and find us, or find the way to the app via the journey.riosports.com. Yes, that's the journey.riosports.com. Thanks for joining us. See you next week.